God, we are uh, grateful in this place today for your word, that your word is truth, that it does speak to our hearts, it speaks to our souls, it speaks to our minds. And so, God, we pray that uh, you would open us up in this place today, open our ears to hear, open our eyes to see you uh, at work in our lives and in your world, and open our ears to see and understand the truth of your word and the things that you have for us in this place this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Well, good morning. Uh, My name's Brad. I'm part of the teaching and leadership team here at Jericho Ridge, and we're excited to be uh, starting into our summer series this morning. And I wanna let you in on a little secret. I don't know if you've paid attention to this or not. We've never told you explicitly before what we're doing. So this is like inside the inner sanctum of Pastor Keith's office where all of the planning happens. I'm gonna let you in there for a minute so you know what's happening. So we are taking you through the Old Testament in the summers. You may remember a couple of summers ago we started in the book of Genesis and we talked about beginnings. And we started at the very beginning, because that's a very good place to start. And it took us actually two whole sermon series to go through the book of Genesis. And then we did the book of Exodus. Remember we were doing some artwork for the book of Exodus. And we explored the amazing power of God, the amazing provision of God as he rescued his people from slavery and oppression in Egypt. And then last summer we did a series called Crossing Over. And last summer we were really assertive. We sandwiched the books of Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and Joshua all into one summer series. And we finished off in Joshua chapter 10. And we left you hanging. So now at the start of summer 2014, you might think, well, let's do Judges then. Aha! We did Judges just before we did Genesis. So we kind of did a little bit out of order for you. So uh, Judges was the summer before Genesis, just to keep you guessing. And we're gonna save the book of Ruth for its own series because there's lots of goodies in there. But we're gonna pick up where we left off in the Crossing Over series and move into then the next big chunk of Scripture in the big God story. So let me fill in some of the gaps for you again as to where we are in the Old Testament. So when we left in Joshua, in Joshua chapter 10, the people were right on the edge of the land of promise. God had said that he would deliver them out of Egypt and slavery and take them to a land that he would show them. But they still needed to get into the land and get organized and uh, there were lots of bumps along that road. The book of Judges talks about that where they had moved into the land already but they got into a cycle, kind of a bad cycle, of disobeying God and then they were punished, and then they would obey God again, they would come back to God, and then they would disobey God again, and they didn't do everything that God told them to do, and this causes trouble for them, not just for a little period of time, this is actually gonna be their story for really pretty much the rest of the Old Testament that has caused a lot of trouble. And so the kind of thinking that shows up in the book of Judges keeps going over and over and over again. Serving God, falling away, serving God again, crying out to him. And toward the end of the book of Judges, it actually gets a little bit worse. Each judge gets kind of progressively worse toward the end. And the Bible says that this is because Israel has no king. There's no leadership 
in the country, in place, civic or um, even in religious sphere, the throne is not established. And since there's no continuous leadership politically or a stable leadership anyways, people are playing games religiously, politically, in every other area of their life. So hence the title of this series for this summer, Games and Thrones. Games and Thrones. So we get to the end of the book of Judges and we see the emergence in the Old Testament of a brand new kind of leader, a prophet. Somebody who listens to God and then speaks out what they're hearing, the words of God and the heart of God to those with willing ears to hear. And so the Old Testament book of First Samuel is named for the most prominent character in it, a man by the name of Samuel. And Samuel is one of the main prophetic figures in this period in the Old Testament. So we have kind of, if you think about the big characters in the Bible, we've got going back to the beginning in Genesis, we've got Adam and Eve, and we've got Noah, we've got Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses leading the people out of Israel, we've got Joshua, and then kind of the next big figure after the judges that we have is Samuel. Now in chapters one and two of the book of 1 Samuel, we get this window into Samuel's early life, his backstory, and he has a fascinating backstory. We learn about his mother's life, about his family's life, and his mother can't have kids, and she prays and cries out to God, and God actually responds to her prayer. And Samuel is the answer to the prayers of faith offered by his mother, Hannah. In fact, Samuel's name, she names him to actually signify her encounter with God. Samuel's name means heard of God, or God heard me, God heard my cry. And chapter two of 1 Samuel records uh, his mother's amazing prayer, the first part of chapter two. So we have this story of just people who are seeking God in incredible and passionate ways, but amidst those individual bright spots, as a whole, the big picture is pretty bleak. It's not looking good. There's no strong leadership civically, politically, or any other way since Joshua, since the days of Judges. Now kids, think about how many of you have been on a field trip they call Municipal Awareness Day, where you go to Civic Hall. How many of you have been on that field trip? Okay, so how many of you then sat in the uh, civic chamber, like where the counselors and the mayor and everybody sits in there and makes all the important decisions about our city? Yeah, so imagine our city if nobody was making any of those decisions at all, if it was just sort of a total free for all, you went to City Hall, there was nobody there. Nobody making decisions about where the roads would go, nobody collecting property taxes, nobody paying the teachers, oh wait, that's happening already. In Samuel's day though, there were still religious leaders. So the temple or the tabernacle was still around and so people would go there to worship. And the priests that we read about and learned about in Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, they were still doing their job. So at this time, the priest's name was Eli. And Eli, the Bible says, was old. And when the Bible says you're old, you're really, really old. And so Eli has uh, two sons. And we might think, well, this is great. Eli's in charge. We still have at least one area of leadership that's going well. But the end of chapter two in 1 Samuel, we learn about the story of Eli's two sons. And the Bible tells us that they were really bad dudes. 
and they made God really, really angry because they had no respect for God. They had no respect for their duty as priests. They had no respect for the people who came. In fact, they lied, they cheated, they stole from people. I mean, they really, really were bad. And so it actually created a culture where not only did we not have any civic or political leadership, but we kind of had no religious leadership anyways. And at the beginning of 1 Samuel chapter three, where we're gonna focus today, it says that the word of the Lord was very rare. A sad statement that we've got religious leadership, we've got priests, but the word of the Lord is rare. Visions are rare. And we hear that Eli knew about what his sons were doing, but he did nothing to stop them. And so God spoke to him and said, Eli, I want you to stop your sons. And Eli tried, oh, well, God, I tried to, I told them that they should stop doing it. And they didn't. And God says he was continuously upset in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 17, God took this seriously. Eli was aware of what his sons were doing to the people. They were using their positions, and God hated it, and he warned them not to do it. And old Eli took no action at all. The Bible says his eyes were growing dim. And that's not just a comment on his biological or physiology that his eyes that he was having trouble seeing. It's actually a, a culture that had taken root in his heart. He was also having spiritual issues. It's a spiritual issue, his failing eyesight as well as his physical eyesight. And so Eli and his family are in big trouble and we're gonna see how in a few minutes. But contrasting with Eli and his two sons, we have at the beginning of chapter three, Samuel. The young boy. See, Samuel's mother was so grateful for God answering her prayer and giving her a son that she promised that she would devote Samuel to God. And so when he was really little, she took him to live full-time at the tabernacle. And so she dedicated him to the Lord. And Samuel went to live there and he served the Lord, it says in chapter three, by assisting old Eli. And this is where the story of the Lord speaking to Samuel begins. And so I want you to watch this short video clip about it taken from the story in 1 Samuel chapter three and you can follow along in your Bible. When someone calls you to come, do you go quickly or do you move slowly or not at all? Little Samuel heard someone calling him. Well, what do you think he did? Eli, the old priest, snored peacefully in his bed. The little boy Samuel slept soundly nearby. The Lord looked lovingly at the sleeping Samuel. Samuel, Samuel, the Lord spoke. Samuel opened his eyes. Had someone called him? He hurried to Eli's bedside. Here I am, Samuel said, entering Eli's darkened room. You called me? Eli opened his eyes. I didn't call you, he said sleepily. Go back to bed. Samuel did as he was told and quickly fell asleep again. Again, the Lord looked lovingly at the sleeping Samuel. Samuel, Samuel, the Lord called again. Samuel's eyes popped open. He hopped out of bed. That surely must be Eli calling him. He hurried to Eli's room. Here I am, he said. How may I help you? Eli opened his eyes again. I didn't call, he whispered. 
Go back to bed. Samuel walked slowly out of Eli's room. Someone had called him. If it wasn't Eli, who could it be? Samuel did not recognize the Lord's voice because he had never heard it before. Samuel lay back down, and very soon he was sound asleep again. Once more, the Lord looked lovingly at the sleeping Samuel. Samuel, Samuel, the Lord said a third time. Samuel opened his eyes, and once more he hurried to Eli. Here I am, he said. Suddenly, Eli knew who was calling the boy. Go back to bed, Eli said. If he calls you again, say, "Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening." Samuel's heart beat really fast. Could it be the Lord was speaking to him? But why? Why would the Lord call his name? Samuel went back to bed, but this time he lay there with his eyes wide open. He waited, and he listened. Samuel, Samuel, the Lord said in a gentle voice, and Samuel answered, "Speak, for your servant is listening." The Lord smiled. He knew that Samuel, even though he was only a child, would listen to him. Samuel truly wanted to be God. The story, isn't it? So the moral usually becomes something like we should listen to God's voice, or some variation on that theme. Which is true, but that is not the whole story. It's not actually even the most interesting part of the story, as fascinating as that is. So let's keep reading together in First Samuel chapter three, because things are just getting interesting in this story. Now that we know God is speaking to Samuel, the first question we should say is, "What did God say to Samuel?" And the shocking thing is that it is not good news. So turn with me in your Bible or follow along on your smartphone or on the screen to 1 Samuel chapter 3, verses 10 to 14. So the Lord came and called as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel replied, speak, your servant is listening. And then the Lord said to Samuel, I am about to do a shocking thing in Israel. I am going to carry out all of my threats against Eli and his family from beginning till end. I have warned him judgment is coming upon his family forever because his sons are blaspheming God and he has not disciplined them. And so I have vowed that the sins of Eli and his sons will never be forgiven by sacrifices or by offerings. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> this is not usually what we expect when we talk about the story of Samuel and listening to God. It's not very good news or feel-good information. It's so shocking, uh, the news says, in the King James, it says, the ears of everyone who hears this will tingle. And remember, Samuel is a young boy still. And here's God has given him a message. And he's given him a message to say to one of the most powerful people in the whole nation of Israel, Eli, the priest. 
And it's not like, hey, Eli, God just wants to tell you you're doing an awesome job. You know, keep up the good work. It's dire consequences for Eli and his family. And he's been given a very important but very challenging message. What would you do in Samuel's situation? Eli already knows that God's gonna speak to him, right? What do you do when God speaks to you but he gives you a message or a task that is difficult or challenging? And while you're thinking about that, we're gonna play a game here this morning. So it's likely one that you're familiar with and that is the telephone game, right? So this is where I'm gonna give the first person in each section a word or a phrase and they're gonna say it to the next person and then they're gonna say it to the next person quietly so that not the people behind you can't hear, right? That's cheating. And there's no tweeting what it is to the last person in the row, just so you know, all right? No, no email or no technological assistance for the game, all right? And we're gonna pit section versus section. All right, so I have four phrases. I'm gonna come over here, okay? And I'm gonna start over on this side and then uh, we'll come over and come to the other sections over there, okay? All right, so Brad, can you mute my mic? Shh. And
You guys are done? Yeah? Okay. Alright, almost. Okay. Alright, so we'll pause wherever you guys have gotten there. So, alright, in the back, what did you guys get for your section? <laughs> naked New York, naked New York. All right, all right. Okay, close. New York was in there. <laughs> Sophie, what did I tell you? Unique New York. Unique New York. All right, so I don't know where it got a little racy over there in that section, but uh, okay, all right. Okay, Gary, what did you have in your section? Yes, perfect. There you go, okay. Well done, well done. All right, Joel, what do you have? I like a avocado. <laughs> okay, avocado was in there. All right, so your phrase for your section was, Ali Alligator ate 11 avocados in the afternoon. <laughs> okay, so you got avocado right. Well done, good job. Okay, where did you guys get to over here? Okay, all right, and what did you get? Oh, okay. You guys did not bad, actually. Okay, their phrase was, the dead army duck sat placidly as the construction crew strode confidently past. <laughs> yes. You see? Well done. Well done. So I think they did really well, actually. I'm, I'm quite impressed, so... <laughs> you guys are going to cry foul. Like, come on, give us a coherent phrase or a song or something that we could work with. So my point in giving you these different phrases is this. The harder something is for us to say or the harder something is for us to wrap our minds around, the more we're tempted to simplify it and just knock off some of those extraneous kind of phrases or thoughts that came to it. A simple phrase or task, we can pass along fairly easily. <laughs> but once it gets harder, we actually have a tendency in our brains to want to make it simple again. Because if it's simple, we can pass it on easy to other people. When the message is challenging, we're not actually sure that we heard it right. Placidly, army duck, what, uh, I don't understand. Like it doesn't quite make sense to us. So we search to kind of simplify it in some ways. I think just like in the telephone game, the same thing can actually happen to us when we're learning and practicing to hear God's voice. Because the first part of, of learning to hear is actually opening our ears to hear. We actually have to believe that God is speaking 
to us or has something that he wants to say to us. And this is Samuel's first experience with listening to God. So like us, Samuel actually has to get over that fact of, I don't even know if I can do this and has to move into that place where he actually believes, and through the encouragement of Eli, believes to receive. He has to believe that he can actually hear from God. The question for you and I is the same as it was for Samuel. Do we have ears to hear what God is saying to us? And this is why, as he speaks to us throughout the Bible, over and over and over again, a phrase comes up comes up in the teaching of Jesus, comes up in the book of Revelation, comes up over and over in the prophetic books. And it's a different uh, theme on the phrase, let those who have ears, let them hear. He who has ears, let him hear. And the reason that the Bible uses this phrase so often is that you cannot assume that just because you have a functional earlobe that you're gonna get the message in the telephone game. And the same is true spiritually and when we're learning to hear from God. You actually have to practice opening your ears and your life to hear from God. And there's some very real and very present challenges to hearing from God. One of the first challenges is a challenge of faith. There are some times where we actually have difficulty believing that God is speaking still today. You might think to yourself, well, maybe God did that in the Bible. God did it to other people. Maybe God does it to people like Jung Hoon and Pearl, working on Bible translation in Asia. Maybe God does it to professionally religious people, but not to me. If you have a lack of faith, you don't believe that you can hear from God, despite your age, despite your background, then a lack of faith can actually keep you from hearing from God. And maybe for you today, maybe you need to open up your ears, open yourself up to the possibility that if God is real, God might be wanting to speak and communicate to you in different ways. The second thing that can keep us or can be a challenge to us from hearing is gunk in our lives that keeps us from hearing. In our house, you know, sometimes we'll bring out like a Q-tip or a cotton swab, right? That you look at your ear and go, man, if this ear, if my ear got totally full of earwax, it would, I wouldn't be able to hear very effectively. And so you actually have to get in there and kind of clean it out gently and carefully. And sometimes our lives are the same way. We actually have things in our lives that keep us, gunk that just builds up over time, that keeps and prevents or alters us from hearing from God in unique and powerful ways. They can be attitudes, they can be actions, can be apathy, can be beliefs that we hold in our heart, can be things that we've decided that uh, are right and God says are wrong. And when we do this over and over again, it's like a layer after layer that builds up, kind of like earwax, it's kind of gross, I know, but it actually can keep us from hearing. Junk can build up in your life that can keep you from and prevent you from hearing from God. And the solution is, the Bible calls it repentance. Like a Q-tip prayer. A Q-tip prayer might be something like this. God, would you clean my life up from all the things that prevent me from hearing from you and walking in obedience? And then listening and learning to let God speak to you about those things and tend to them in your life and begin to guard against those things 
and begin to ask God to forgive you for those things that might keep you from hearing from him. Another thing, a challenge to hearing can be uncertainty. In the telephone game, if you're not sure that you heard right, you can't really go back and ask again for clarity. You're not really supposed to in the telephone game. You just gotta pass on whatever you heard. And sometimes it's like that in, in listening to God and learning to listen to God. Sometimes we're unsure if what we're hearing is the voice of God or if it's just ourselves or if it's something that we really want or something that we've read or heard somewhere. And so sometimes we can be uncertain if we're hearing the right message or uncertain if we're hearing anything at all or uncertain of the source of it and then that becomes a challenge or a barrier for us and this is one that I wrestle with because especially if the message is hard if it's an easy one then you think okay yeah I think I heard that pretty clearly but if God asks you to do something hard or difficult you begin to ask yourself questions like did I really hear that maybe I misunderstood what God was saying I think that if I was Samuel, I would be doing that exact same thing. God, are you sure that this is the message you want me to give to Eli? Like it's pretty intense and it's bad news. Did I hear you clearly? Could we just redo that again? And maybe I can make sure that I heard it properly. This is a really hard message. Maybe, God, you have a nicer, kinder, softer message of encouragement for Eli. So let's look and see what Samuel does with this message from God. 1 Samuel chapter 3, verses 15 to 18. So Samuel stayed in bed until morning. Doesn't say he went back to sleep. I think if I was him, I wouldn't have slept very well. And then he got up and he opened the doors of the tabernacle as usual. But he was afraid to tell Eli what the Lord said had said to him. But Eli called out to him, just like God called out to him actually, Samuel, my son. Samuel had the same response. Here I am, Samuel replied. What did the Lord say to you? Tell me everything. And may God strike you and even kill you if you hide anything from me. (laughs) Nothing like exercising a little uh, power differential over a scary young child to tell you what you need to know. So Samuel told Eli everything and he didn't hold anything back. And Eli's response is, it is the Lord's will. Eli replied, let him do what he thinks is best. Why does Eli respond that way? Well, because Eli actually knows the message already. The end of chapter two, God gives Eli that exact same message. Eli just doesn't want to hear it. And so God actually has to creatively go around the old man's spiritual hearing issues to give and communicate a message to a young child so that it could get through to Eli. But think about little Samuel in this situation, hearing this hard message from God. If I was Samuel, I would want to figure out a way to soften this or put it another more positive spin on it in some way. Or I'd clam right up when Eli came asking, what did God say to you last night? I might be tempted to say, uh, nothing, it was all a misunderstanding. I just, it was the wind, it was whatever. Because sometimes actually though our challenge isn't hearing part. Samuel heard. Sometimes the challenge isn't believing to receive, it's the other part of that challenge. It's speaking up. It's daring to share 
what we have heard. Part one of the challenge is believe to receive. Part two of the challenge is dare to share. And the question here is, do you and I have the courage to speak out or act on what God is saying to us? Or will we shut down and keep silent? This isn't necessarily about sharing your faith with other people, though it could certainly apply here. This is about when you know that you know that you've heard loud and clear from God. God has asked you to do something. He's given you a task. He's given you a message. He's given you an action that he wants you to take. And you know that you know that it was God speaking and whispering that to you. But you refuse to act on it in any way. And so you short circuit the process. And I get it. I have done this innumerable times in my life, many, many times, because there are very, very real challenges to speaking or acting on the things that you know that God has told you to do. In my experience, the harder the task is, or the message is, the more excuses I tend to make. I don't know if you can identify with me on any of these excuses that I sometimes give. God says, I want you to take a meal over to your neighbor. Something simple, something easy. Go over, mow your neighbor's lawn. And my first thought is not, sure, Lord, I'll do that. My first thought is, can I do it later? Now is not a good time for me. And something simple and easy. My first thing that usually I do is procrastinate. Oftentimes, my very first thought, when God's asked me to do something, my first thought of why it's not a good idea is, it's, it's, I'm sure it's a great idea, God. I just don't think I'm going to do it right now. Procrastination. Or how about this? God asks you to speak a word of encouragement or affirmation to somebody. It's a word of encouragement or affirmation. They probably want to hear it. They're not gonna you know, get mad at you and unfriend you on Facebook for it. But you get nervous inside of your head and so you begin to overanalyze the interaction and you think to yourself, oh, well, God, did he really say that? What if I misheard? What if I like mess it up some way between what I heard and then I go and communicate it and it's not really encouraging to the person? You know, what if it wasn't that person you wanted me to encourage? I was supposed to encourage the other person over there and then the wrong person gets encouraged? (sighs) God might say, oh, what a horrible, horrible thing. Two people would get encouraged with what I gave you. Maybe God asks you to do something a little bit more complicated or more challenging. God, are you sure you want me to give this money away? Are you sure you want us to pick up and move our family to a different neighborhood, to a different city for mission, to a different part of the globe in obedience to you? Are you really asking me to give up my spring break and go with people I don't really know very well to Guatemala on a serving trip? Sometimes when God is asking us something that's a little bit higher risk, we want to explain it away. Well, God didn't really say that, did he? He didn't really want me to do that. God God doesn't say those or ask those kinds of things, does he? Maybe I must have misunderstood. Yeah, that's right. God didn't really say that or ask that of me. But friends, when you know that you know that God has asked you to do something, and he's spoken to you loud and clearly about it, you must act on it. Because you're gonna be held accountable for it. 
So it's an act of obedience. Or to not do anything, overanalyze, explain it away, procrastinate is an act of disobedience. Now sometimes things are a little bit less clear and they're a little bit ambiguous and then you, in those situations you just keep pushing into God and asking him for clarity on it, asking him to confirm it in some way. Pray with others, invite others, our prayer team into that place to say I think God wants me to do this but I just, can you pray for me for courage to do it or can you pray that God would continue to speak about that I need clarity on timeline. I need clarity from God on geography. I need clarity around amount, whatever it is you need clarity on. But when it's clear and you just don't like what God says, do not explain it away. That's called sin. The last challenge that I have, beside procrastinating, overanalyzing, in daring to share, is that I deflect. I say, well, God, who am I to tell them that? I mean, could you give this message to someone closer to them, maybe in their friendship circle to deliver to them? Could you just tell them yourself, God? Then I wouldn't have to get involved in any way. (laughs) Why me? I'm sure Samuel felt the same way when he heard that message from God about Eli and Eli's sons. God, I don't want this message from you. But this is where believing to receive and daring to share is simply an act of obedience. Because obedience is simply the having the courage to speak out or act on what God is saying to us even when it's difficult. Obedience is opening your ears to hear what it is that God is saying to you and then having the courage to speak out and to act on what God is saying to you, even when it's difficult. And the little phrase that helps me remember this and helps me kind of figure out sometimes where I've gotten the process short-circuited or where I've actively short-circuited the process is just that simple phrase, the two parts. Believe to receive, dare to share. Believe to receive, dare to share. You know what happens when you actually learn to practice these two disciplines? Well, let's look at Samuel's life. Keep reading to the end of the chapter in 1 Samuel chapter 3, starting in verse 19. As Samuel grew up, it says, the Lord was with him. And Samuel actually got quite skilled at this process of believing to receive and daring to share because the text says everything Samuel said proved to be reliable. Another translation says not one of his words fell to the ground or was useless. And then all of Israel from Dan in the north to Beersheba in the south knew that Samuel was confirmed as a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord continued to appear at Shiloh, which is where the tabernacle was, and give messages to Samuel there. And Samuel's words went out to all the people of Israel. Samuel became known as a person who had learned how to listen, who had learned how to believe to receive and dared to share the things that God had spoken to him. That's really my prayer, our prayer for you here today, that you would be a person who listens well, 
that you would be a person whose ears are clean and clear and open to hear. And then you and I will grow as people of faith as we actively learn to hear from God. Actively and regularly believe that we will receive from God. That's why we have our prayer response times at the end of our gatherings. That's why last Sunday night and often when we get together in different gatherings, we'll actually open it up and let there be times of silence and ask, are you hearing anything from God that you want to share or speak into another person's life? Because we believe that God is actively speaking to those who are listening and that anybody can hear from him. Just like Samuel as a young boy could. But hearing is only the first part. We also have to dare to share. And we want to be people at Jericho who step out of our comfort zones, who take risks, and that means you're sometimes going to get it wrong and mess it up, and it's going to be awkward. But dare to share and be bold in speaking out what God is putting on our hearts. And as we do this, in Samuel's life, what we begin to see is that cycle actually begins to strengthen his hearing and his speaking. And the same can happen in your life. God can continue to give you ears to hear, mouths that speak, and hands that are willing and ready to do his will. And so we're gonna move into a time of response in song, and the prayer team, Megan and I will be available over at this side, uh, actually on this side, and then Katie Kwan and Pastor Keith will be available over on this side uh, for prayer And so if you would like, uh, we would love to stand with you in helping and assisting you hearing from God as we sing two songs of response. And so let's pray together. God, we want to be people whose ears are open to hear from you. And we acknowledge and recognize the challenges of that. The busyness of our lives, the things that accumulate over time, experiences that we've had in the past that block and prevent us, Father, things that we have done or things that others have done to us or we've been a part of. Jesus, we want to come to this place today and lay those at your feet. We want to bring our cares, our concerns, our unbelief to you and ask that you would speak into our lives in the midst of those places. We want to take that same uh, position in our hearts and in our lives as young Samuel did, God. Say, would you speak to us, Jesus? And so, Father, I pray that you would stir up faith in hearts this morning to believe that you can and do and desire to do this. We pray, Father, that you would uh, speak words of blessing and encouragement not only into our own lives, but then we can pour those out into the lives of those around us. And so here at Jericho, we would just freely encourage you that if God gives you a word to speak to somebody else, you would just get up right during this time, go over to them, speak it into their life. If you want to go out and walk the track with them, that's fine. If you need to sit quietly and listen to what it is that God wants to say to you, If you want to invite others into that process, this is a time to listen.